It is great to see everyone. Yeah, we're not playing any of that uh, uh, Easter uh, bunny thing around here. Matter of fact, when we get together just before starting service, we kind of circle up like a football team and we'll just kind of put our hands all in together and we'll, you know, on three. Um, and, and today it was uh, on three, not today, bunny boy. You know, there is, this is not about the bunny today. And now the reason why is Easter or Resurrection Sunday is the one pure, genuine Christian holiday. I mean, it's, it's ours. It's ours. I got to admit, you know, we, we kind of, some stuff have been made up about, about Christmas, all right? We threw some stuff in there to kind of perk it up a little bit. So, you know, so, you know, all the wise, three wise men coming at the same time and the thoughts, you know, pictures of a star moving, you know, kind of all that stuff. Maybe we kind of embellished in history a little bit about, about that. But Easter, oh, baby, that's ours. That's all ours. And we're not going to let anything wreck it. And today, the reason why I'm pushing this so much is because everything connects to Easter or to the resurrection of Christ. We've been talking about this idea of a stimulus package in America. And I hope you guys have gotten your checks and you spent them and you used it and you're stimulating the economy with your check. I hope it's working out for you. But the, the world of economics was is that some help needs to come from someplace else to stimulate the future of our economy. And we've kind of borrowed that concept and began to look at some of the things that, that God has done to re-stimulate life into people after our worst mistakes let alone our worst mistakes. How about the last 18 months? They've been really difficult. This has not been the easiest 18 months of my life or in the, in the history of the United States. And I think in the middle of it, a lot of us have abandoned visioning for our lives. We've kind of gone into reactionary mode, or that 25 seconds on Twitter or Snapchat or uh, Facebook or responding to the news. We're, we're kind of in survival mode. We're not really thinking long-term, putting plans out there as much as we were in, in the past. But we're going to find out that the resurrection of Jesus is not just a statement about his personal authority and his proof of his authority, but rather his trustworthiness for our futures. And that the resurrection of, of Jesus is God's invitation for you to reconnect with his best future for you. Because a lot of us have kind of disconnected because of some of the events that have gone around us. When we are told that Jesus had appeared to his disciples in the resurrection, hope and trust began to be restored in their hearts. It was not only because of their past had been resolved, but something about their future had been secured. I think statistics has begun to show us that many of us have given up on the future. And it's really interesting. There's a lot of psychological studies that have been done about where we are as a country, even as a world, and, and where our heads have been. I think we've lost confidence in some of the elements of our trustworthiness that we rely on for our happiness. You know what I mean? It's kind of like those are those posts in the ground that have electricity and that you plug things into. Those elements of trustworthiness. I think we've seen changes in our government, changes maybe in your political party, changes um, in, on issues of race and sex and so many different things that we've kind of lost the posts 
that we were so confident in, you know, maybe even in, in our constitution or some of the beliefs that we have as an American country, that some of those things that we thought would never move, all of a sudden we see them beginning to shift. Some of the events that we thought would never happen in America, we've begun to see those events happen. And for a lot of us, these, these elements of trustworthiness, the things that we anchor to, the things that we get our power from, that everything seems to be changed. Instead, I, I think some of us have, are, are drinking maybe a little bit too much wine, cheap Merlot. If you're buying your wine in a box, you're probably drinking some cheap Merlot. And, but for too many of us, we just decided we don't even care if it's the good stuff. We just want to drink something because what I've connect, used to connect to seems to have fallen apart. My life, my job, my society, my family, the things I trusted in, all of a sudden begin to, some of us, maybe you're not connecting to a bottle of wine, maybe binge watching TV shows. Oh man, we should get a list of, the, of your favorite binge watch over the last 18, 18 months. Because I've just about binge watched everything possible. Anything that you can watch, and I'm always looking for a new show. There's a new show called Debris. I don't know if you guys are looking for something else to binge, but it's called Debris. It's a sci-fi thing. It's really cool. But what are we doing as, our, as a society? Is that we're looking for something to connect to because our long-term vision has kind of been lost. And the reason why it's been lost was the things that we used to plug into have, have moved or they're not as stable as we thought they were. And in an intense psychological study conducted throughout the world, this was a really good study, and they did it over the whole world. It's amazing we live in a time where we can evaluate where everybody is, not just as, you know, in Charleston or just white people, black people, male or female. We can actually do a study of the whole world. And so a study has been done throughout the whole world to figure out and to find out where are people's sense of well-being. Where is everybody at? Which, where are we at on our quotient of well-being? And well-being could also be the, the word happiness. Where, where's the world at? And as I did this study over the last year, six factors seemed to play into whether or not your well-being or your happiness quotient is up or it's down. And here's what they were. Um, your income, the fact that you still had money, that was really important to determine whether you're happy or not. Your health, that's, that was a really important one. Here was another one. Um, someone to count on. That if you had somebody to count on over the last 18 months, you probably did a little bit better than somebody who didn't have somebody to count on. But maybe your somebody to count on moved. Or I mean, the relationship changed. Or what you used to trust in moved. Freedom is a big one. But we kind of lost a little bit of that with quarantine and all, and not able to go where and when we want to do things. Another one was generosity. That seemed to help people's well-being. Not only to receive generosity, though that was a very good thing, but also to give generously seemed to kind of make people feel like they had purpose and meaning in their lives. But the one that rose to the top as most important is that of the support uh, uh, systems were this idea of trust. Trust has been shown to be a key factor in linking happiness during COVID-19. People who believed that they had a societal connection that they could trust in, that they had a system of belief or uh, a network of people or a community or a government that they could trust they tended to do 
better. Of all the other factors, trust and connecting to something that was an element of trustworthiness seemed to be the most important thing. And unfortunately, the United States barely cracked the top 20 of happy countries in the world and came in at number 19. It's like, well, how can a country that, that has so much uh, be so, uh, not be the happiest country in the world? Because for a lot of us, our element of trustworthiness was our wealth, was our success, and all that. And we thought if we, if we had that, or our, our looks, or whatever it may be, why is it that America only ranks number 19th? Is it possible that as Americans, we don't feel the same, same confidence in our government that we used to have, regardless of what political party or persuasion? Maybe you don't even have as much confidence in the political party that you're connected to. Maybe we're a little bit nervous about the neighbor that's different than us. Maybe we're a little concerned about the news reports, whether or not we can trust CNN or Fox News. And, and if you anchored your, your, uh, anything to that, you know that that's kind of moved around a little bit for you. But in America, it seems that we've lost our element of trustworthiness. It was like what well, was all built around the Constitution, and we could trust in the Constitution. But now we see things being reinterpreted, and, and then maybe the possibility of shifting some of the stuff around. And as an American, the things that we used to trust in, that we anchored ourselves to, all seem to have be begun to shift or maybe have even disappeared. So just imagine what began to perk in Peter's heart. The disciple who didn't betray Jesus, but kind of snuggled up real close to betrayal and denying that he even had a relationship with Christ. What did Peter do when he heard the news that Jesus was risen from the dead? Why did Peter go? And, and why didn't the, all the disciples go? What was Peter looking for in emptiness? You know, in Amer as Americans, what do we do? We usually look in our bank account for something in our bank account. We look in the mirror, the mirror to find something encouraging in the, mirror, in the mirror. We tend to look at what we've gathered or owned or what's parked in our garage. We go into things to find something in there that will give us hope. But what is that, that drove Peter to go and to look and to verify that something was empty? And how? So counterculture to us as Americans, where we prove the existence of God's love and goodness and all things working out good for us by having more of something, what did Peter know that emptiness would actually give him more hope to the, in the future? Because that's what he went looking for. Because his life had been cut out from underneath it. He had it all mapped out on how Jesus was going to live and reign and he was going to be this next big political giant and him and his 11 brethren were going to be, you know, the governors of the new kingdom that had come and they were all going to get wealthy together and this was going to be a great time. And, and that idea just totally broke apart at the crucifixion of Christ. But Peter knew that he could not just sit there in the depression and, you know, I don't know how many bottles of Merlot or that he drank before, how many box wines he had before he finally figured out, I can't just sit here anymore. I can't just hide anymore. 
I can't just be told to go home anymore. Why? Because my future's disappeared. And I think a lot of us are in a place right now where our futures have disappeared. Maybe it's because of something that we've done, maybe some great moral mistake that we've committed. I know what that's like. It's all of a sudden the thought of a new future occurring. But Peter got to the point where it's like, my new future will not come here with my current perspective. I need to see what's going on with Jesus. Just imagine the possibilities that the disciples now considered because their element of trustworthiness was reinforced by the resurrection. It makes, the resurrection of Christ makes their future reappear. And what we're talking about today is that the resurrection of Christ makes our future reappear. It doesn't just resolve some issues of our past, which we focus a lot on, but rather it makes, have you guys ever seen the movie and maybe you have to be a, a Gen Xer or a baby boomer to remember it. And, but, and if you haven't seen it, if you're a millennial or Gen Z or whatever group you're a part of, let me just encourage you. You got to say, you got to see Back to the Future, number one. You got to see it. It's a great movie. I mean, it's absolutely, it's, it's got time travel involved in it. It's absolutely awesome. And there's a part when, when uh, Marty McFly goes back to the past. I wish I had thought of this earlier. I would have shown you a video clip. But uh, he goes back to, to the past, and he meets his mother. Okay, now this is going to get kind of Freudian on you for a little bit. Well, his mother falls in love with him. And so he has a Polaroid picture of him in the future, and what happens? Anybody remember what happens? He starts disappearing, right. You see, Marty McFly starts to disappear based upon events that are happening in his past. And see, for a lot of us, We've allowed the events, the events of the, the immediate 18 months make our future disappear. Our hopes about our families, the hopes about our grandchildren, the hopes about America, the hopes about our marriages, the hopes about our health, whatever it may be. That's the, eight, the 18 months we've been stuck in this past and, and now it's beginning to affect whether or not we are appearing in the future, if we're really going to be there. But when we root ourselves in the resurrection, the picture of us is restored and divine vision is reconnected to our lives. Let me give you a silly illustration, but it's a real one and it's really happening in my life right now. So uh, it, it, I'm really connected to this idea and, and it's going to be silly. Normally I, on Easter, I try to impress everybody with a great philosophical uh, thesis on the resurrection of Christ and maybe some good um, archaeology proving the resurrection as a historical event and things like that. And, and those are all good. Or maybe I'll do go into the elegance of the resurrection. And those are all cool. But today I'm going to take a, a, maybe a little bit different turn because you need to be connected to something because the things that we've been connected to have moved. The things that we used to get our power from no longer give us power. So um, we used our stimulus check to buy a small above-ground pool for our yard, okay, for our backyard. We bought, we're the neighbor you don't want, okay? We're, we put that ugly, we're putting up that ugly pool in the backyard, and, but that's what we decided to spend our money on. Here's my vision. I want to bring my family my children, my grandchildren together as much as possible. 
That's, that's what's going on inside of my head. I want to create memories. I want to encounter joy. I want to leave a legacy um, with some of the most important people in the world to me. So here's my vision. A pool um, for... Uh, now, somebody pointed out that there were, there were brown people in this pool. Okay, That's what they came up and said to me afterwards. Well, I just want to let you know I have an incredibly ethnically diverse gene pool flowing throughout the Rianzo family, okay? So, so that's exactly what my gene pool would look like, and I'm, and I'm absolutely proud of it. But that's, that's my vision. That's my, my vision. As I walk around, I think about me and my grandkids in the pool and, and just having a great time. You know, when I, uh, I go out in the yard, I'll be standing, and the other day, it was like 8 o'clock at night, 9 o'clock at night, and I'm, I'm, Susan lost track of where I was, and she came out the back, and she went, woo, woo, which is our thing to kind of find each other. And uh, I was like, woo, woo, you know, let her know where I was. And, and I was just standing in the backyard, just standing there like this, looking at the empty lot where the pool's going to go. And she says, thinking about the pool? And I'm like, no, I'm actually thinking about the grandkids. I'm thinking about being out there with Ireland and Polly and, and Christopher and JoJo. I'm thinking about, you know getting those son-in-laws to come visit a little bit more. And, you know, and I'm always trying to create things to get people to come back to the house and, and for us to create memories and have joy together. And I started visioning all of that going on. And, and so this vision of a pool filled with kids is what goes on. Let me just say, when, I, when me and, and Toby were working on the graphics, he was wondering what I was going to use for a background for this. And I, I used this as a background. I first was going to have this beautiful Charleston view of a mosh with a bunch of palm trees and a beautiful sun, and, and it was just going to be beautiful. But the reason why I went with this one, it, it, it kind of became, became meaningful for me. It means it's this, that most of the times in your life, you can't change the backdrop life presents you with. Okay? If we're going to wait to vision a future based upon when the background of America gets right, we'll never dream. If we're going to wait for suffering and pain to leave planet Earth, or sickness to leave, or injustice to leave, or all the other things that maybe we were born into, if you're waiting for the background to change, it may never change in the 75 to 80 years you get on this planet. But here's the thing, but you can invite God into your foreground so you can live with vision and joy. You know, it doesn't, if you're waiting for the Democrats to get it right, and then you're going to come out of your house again, you're going to wait for the Republicans to get it right, and then you're going to come out of your house, or you're, you're going to wait for the, the blacks to get it right, or the whites, or, or, or to, for us to get gender right in America, or whenever it is. We were all born into this background. Okay, we were all born what we are, and here we are in this background. And a lot of us are giving up visioning in our lives because we're waiting for the background to change. And I'm here to tell you the background's not going to change in a positive way anytime soon. But what you can do is invite God into the foreground. People are like, well, you know, what about your grandchildren, Paul? Aren't you concerned about what's going to happen to your grandchildren based upon what's happening in the schools and what's happening in America and, and all the confusion and all the stuff that's going on? Hey, what are you going to do about it? Well, I'm going to buy a pool. 
I'm going to buy a pool. And what are you going to do with that? I'm going to get them in that pool. And we're going to make memories in that pool. And they're going to remember that Papa was a, was a man of love and relationship, a man of truth. And, and, and then we're going to talk while we're in that pool. And we're going to have memories in that pool. I can't wait. I can't wait on the background of America to change. If you're black here today, don't wait to live until the white people get it right. You won't be able to live. Live now. If you're a woman, don't wait for men to get it right. And if you're a man, don't wait for women to get it right. But live now. You know, don't wait for Amer on America. You don't have enough time. I mean, we're clicking off here real fast. But you, that's why Joshua said, he was in the middle of a, a nation of Israel that was kind of rebellious, and he knew they weren't going the right direction. He was like, hey, this is what God told me you guys are going to do in just a few years. And he says, you're going to betray God. You're going to turn to other gods. You're going to worship other gods. You're going to, you know, you're going to adulterize the whole, the whole Jewish faith. And he's like, that's what you're going to do. And they look at him and say, well, what are you going to do? You know, he said, well, you know, as for me and my foreground, as for me and my house, we're going to build a pool. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to live in the vision of God right here. So, um, so we're going to leave the background just as gnarly and dry and arid as it is. Because God wants you to experience resurrection in a difficult life. He doesn't want you to wait for everything to be perfect. So this is the vision that I have. And, and so I, I got the pool. I, I had to get the pool. I got the pool. And, you know, it, I didn't want to show you a picture, but, you know, that's kind of like what the pool is, you know. And it's like, okay, good. You know, go get yourself a bathing suit. Go get yourself one of those, you know, ducks, you know, with a you know, seahorse on the front of it. And, you know, go. And it's like, but here's the thing. That's not the vision. The pool is not the vision. Remember, it's the grandkids. I'm trying to connect this relational thing, and, but the pool is part of it. So I got the pool. But in order to have the pool, this is real simple, I have to have a pump to clean it. And as you're going to see, every element that I am going to present in this simple little story, in this simple illustration, all has to do with connectivity. Connecting something to something else. So now... I got my pool, and I've connected it to my pump, and I've connected my pump, and I've plugged it into to an outlet, okay? Well, and it sounds like, well, you're ready to go. Well, it's, it's, not, it's not done yet. Um, in order for that pump to work, I need to connect it to some wires, okay, to make it work, and I think you all know that. So I have to connect the power outlet to some other wires. So the vision's not realized yet. Oh, you got a pool. That's awesome. It's like, yeah, but it's undone. You have a life. You have a career. You have a dating relationship. You have a child. You know, but it's not done yet. Just having the pool is not enough. Those wires are going to have to connect to something. So I, I bought some wire. If you're out there, it's... it's uh, um, 12 gauge, I wanted to make sure it's good. I got some engineers out there. I put some 12 gauge in there and some burial, 
uh, burial wrap, and then I put it into some Schedule 40. Some said that I needed to put it in Schedule 80, but I put it in Schedule 40. It will be good enough, and I put it about a foot down in the ground. It's like, wow, that's very intentional. I mean, very specific about this information. But you know what? If I want the grandkids in the pool, if I want the pool connected to the pump, and if I want the pump working the right way, I have to continue to connect to other things. So I put in the conduit, put in the wires, and then it comes to the point where I will have to connect those wires directly to the power distribution panel. See, in the Rianzo house, we don't have, you know, the breaker box. We don't have you know, where we store the, the, the fuses, okay? At the Rienzo house, we have a NASA-certified power distribution panel, okay? I mean, we've got, we've got a bunch of amperage coming into the house, and, and I know that I need to connect these wires to something. You see, my vision is now, and I haven't done it yet, but my vision is now looking for a trustworthy source of power. Everything that I've been doing up to this point has been reverse engineering my vision. I started everything, listen to it. The wires, the outlet, the pump, the pool, the water, the kids are all going to depend on my connection to a trustworthy source of power. I know it's so self-evident. I know you're smart enough to figure all this out. But why do you think your future is going to emerge from a mirage and to be empowered by something that isn't real or that doesn't last or doesn't have enough power to take you into the future? What are you connected to? You connected to your good looks? Well, I'm 60 and it's running out real fast. You connected to your physical prowess? Well, three discs later, ruptured disc, half a colon, no gallbladder, couple tumors removed, gross over different parts of my body. I'll tell you what, I'm beginning to find out right fast that this is not what's going to get me through. What are you connected to? Are you connected to something that's worthy, something that is reliable to take you into the future? You see, the pool doesn't need just any connection. Okay, this is interesting. Um, if, if I want to run a light out in my pool, and maybe you engineers are getting this part now, I can run a little 15-amp service out there, right? So I can just, you know, run a bird bath and maybe some, some uh, lights for the nighttime and around my house, and I could, I could run some 15-amps, but you know what? To get this pool running, I'm going to need 20 amps. And I'm not only going to need 20, I'm going to need two separate 20 amps, GFI, circuit breaker, ground faulted circuits that are, are going to make this whole thing work. Otherwise, somebody in the pool is going to get electrocuted, or otherwise the pump can't get enough amperage to run, and all the other stuff isn't going to work. And why do I say all that? It's because maybe what you're connected to right now is good enough to um, do the lights around the property. But is it good enough to power your parenting? Is it good enough to get you to forgive your spouse? Is it good enough for you to maybe face down racism? Is it, is it good enough to help you overcome in a bad economy or a failing body? You know, sure, maybe your faith of 15 amps could light up for Christmas and it could light up for Easter and it could light up for one other Sunday. 
But are you connected to something that's going to take you through? Something that's going to make the vision for your marriage and your family and your dating relationship a reality? And what is it that you're connected to? You see, when it happens, when I connect that wire and when I clicked up those two breakers there, power is going to flow into my vision. All of a sudden, oh, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm going to put on that. And what's first going to happen is because I've already got one of those floaty little ducks for the baby, you know, that you put in a pool. You know, and it kind of just floats around. I hope somebody else is understand what I'm talking about. A little pool there. And all of a sudden, when I, when I flip that breaker, and all of a sudden, that palm starts going, gung, gung, gung. all of a sudden, that little floaty thing is, all of a sudden, it's going to start moving. And all of a sudden, that thing's going to start making a circle in the pool. And that, that whirlpool is going to begin. And all of a sudden, this is going to be, it's like all of a sudden it's going to begin to move. And you know what that is? It's going to be the stirring of my vision. It's like, man, I got the floaty thing and I, and I got the water. And it's like all I have to do is put Paulie, Christopher, Jojo, and Ireland in it. Vision realized. It's funny that the vision was, it, it was envisioned and reverse engineered. But as soon as I connected the vision moves forward. See, as Christians, we reverse engineer. And this is the way that God designed it. We connect to something in his past. And when we make that connection in his past, the vision moves forward in our lives. And if you're stuck right now, it's because of what you're connected to or what you're not connected to. Some of us are connected to our own past. Shame, guilt, embarrassment, failure, and we're trying to somehow power a new vision for our lives, and it's like, no, your past won't vision your life or empower your vision, but his past will. We need to connect to a trustworthy source. Then power flows forward in the direction of the future. So in the past, God rose Jesus from the dead to move you into his best future for your life. Are you connected? And is he your trustworthy source? And I know if you're 30 right now, you kind of feel like you got it all going on. I mean, I, I, I did. I thought I had it all going on, and some of you know me. Randy's know me when I was 30, and I think you knew me in my 20s, right? Yeah, he knew me in my 20s. Pretty arrogant. Uh, yeah, 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 okay, we're pretty arrogant, cocky, competitive, everything. But you know what? After a, a few bumps and a few floods and a few things and three, three uh, busted you know, things in my back and all the other stuff, all of a sudden, all that confidence that I had in me began to, to dissipate. And all of a sudden, I started having to look for a new power source. It's like your machoism ain't going to get it done anymore in America. Your whiteism ain't going to get it done anymore. And nobody's impressed with you being a baby boomer anymore. Matter of fact, you baby boomers are on the outs with America right now. It's like your 401k ain't getting it done. You know, it's like, it's like I love God. He's almost cut every source of power out from underneath me. So I'm left with only one thing. No, two things. Me or the victory of his past. There are three kinds of trustworthy promises you can plug into today. One is a promise that God makes to the whole world. God's inviting everybody, if I can use the example, God's inviting everybody 
to get a pool, okay? To begin to make memories, to begin to have a future, a hope, to begin to not worry so much, to begin to live life again. God's made a promise to the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God doesn't want your future to disappear, but he wants you to connect to him. Then there's a second kind of promise, a promise that God makes to people he's in relationship with that he is going to keep regardless of any interaction. This is the kind of promise that if you connect with Christ, God says, okay, just for connecting with me, okay, I'm going to give you 15 amp service. Okay, I'm going to, just for connecting, I'm going to, I'm going to give power to your, to your life. Philippians 1.6. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it into completion to the day of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's, that's pretty cool. I like that pool. But then there's a third promise. A promise that God makes to people he is in relationship with to bring about a new future with their cooperation. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, that you may abound in every good work. All of a sudden, the, picture, the future is beginning to return to the Polaroid. We know that for those who love God, connected to this power distribution panel, all things work together for good, 20-amp service from the pole for those who are called according to his purposes. It's like, wow, so to have a great future, I just need to connect with God. I need to vision with God. I'm telling you, it's a promise. It's a promise, and it's all rooted in the resurrection. So let me, as we approach the end of this today, let me read this story to you one more time, which you might have just thought it was a religious story, but I want you to now view it as divine engineering, the engineering of your future. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. See, in their future, all they could see was death. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you still or seek the living among the dead? And I think that's what God would ask us today. Why are you still waiting on America to get it right to live? Why are you still waiting on your spouse to live? Why are you still waiting on your past to be rectified to live? Why are you still, why are you waiting to live? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified on the third day? And when they remembered his words... And I think that's what's happened to us in America. We have forgotten the meaning of the resurrection. We've heard the story before, but somehow the wire wiggled loose from the post. 
for some reason, something that was connected is not connected any longer. But they remembered his words. They reconnected. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Most of the eleven didn't even respond. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home, and I love this, marveling. Marveling. <laughs> when was the last time you looked into something and found it empty, and it stirred up visioning? We normally look into bank accounts and garages and things, and when they're empty, we've, we become hopeless. Something's been stolen from us. Something's going wrong. Peter saw that Jesus is resurrected because he understood what it meant. If this man has risen from the dead, then my future is back. You know, I mean, he's like, even though I denied him three times when he was arrested and I, and I promised I wouldn't do it, I'm back because of the empty tomb. Did I just read an event in Christ's past? Yes. But I also read something that defines the potential of your future. So the conduit has been buried. The wires are in place. Now all you need to do is connect the power. Okay, there's, there's 200 amps to the pole. It's good electrical talk right there. Makes me feel good. There's power to the pole. The question is, are you going to connect your family to it? Are you going to connect your life to it? Because if you've lost hope for your future because the pain is so bad, because the failure was so bad, because our culture is so bad, you need to connect to something that's got enough power right here in the foreground. Because no matter what the rest of the world decides, as for me and my house, We're going in the pool. We're going to serve God. And we're going to experience blessings in the middle of that hardship. We're going to experience meaning in the middle of it, definition, future, hope. Sounds too good to believe. I dare you just to make the connection. I dare you. As we move into this moment of communion, communion is too traditional, I think, right now. It's something that we just do. Everybody gets up. You get out, you let your wife walk out in front of you, you get up, then you get up and you look around, look at people, see who's wearing what, you know, and then you're standing there and see your buddy, think about those 17 games in the NFL, it's like what fantasy football is going to be like, and you're like thinking, and maybe you're looking at your watch, and <laughs> did I just tell on everybody on the planet here, but, but can I get you to think that today maybe you're coming up to reconnect to your power distribution panel? That when we identify with the death and the resurrection of Christ, we connect to something that all of a sudden makes your future reappear. Give it up on your marriage. I've been there a couple times. The picture of happiness disappear. Giving up on your children. Giving up on America. Giving up on whatever it is. Giving up on your health. It's like if you connect to the right thing, your picture reemerges. Your future is only as good as your, your element of trustworthiness. 
If your future is in question, then maybe what you're connected to in, your, in the past is in question. You may not be able to change the background of your life, the color of your skin. You may not be able to change your gender, or maybe you're thinking about changing your gender. But before you start changing posts of any kind, can you please start first connecting to the resurrection of Christ? Because maybe, just maybe, all of a sudden that pool appears, that future that you really want, that purpose, meaning, identity, all of a sudden those things that we've lost all of a sudden reemerge. Let your faith go beyond wires and pumps and let it be a real connection to the power of life. As you come up to communion, I want you to hear your future defined based upon his past. It's not based upon your looks, your wealth, your education, your cleverness, the strength of your body. Here's your future appearing. 1 Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. We're back in the picture, baby. To a living hope. That's 20 amps. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, it connects back to the resurrection. Romans 8, 11, If the same spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Romans 6, 4, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, that we too might live in the newness of life. Oh God, I want some of that. I want some of that. It's like, oh, I gotta do better in the future. No, it's not connected to that. It's connected to the past and not your past. It's connected to his past, his resurrection. When you connect, all of a sudden, the pump begins. And that little floaty, ducky thing begins to move in the water. And then all of a sudden, the voice of the kid says, hey, Papa, is the pool ready? And it's like, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. God invites you to connect to your future by connecting to Jesus' victory in the past in the resurrection. Father, as we enter into this moment, as we touch the bread and the cup, God, we are connecting to the very breaker of hope for our futures. So don't let us just go through this, through the motions and to get this Sunday over with. But let this be a day that we remember that my future came back. And not just my future, it's your vision for my best future came back. And it doesn't rest on me to make it happen. It's all been done in his past. 